Hello and welcome back to Security Insights, the podcast that takes a deeper look at today's most important issues in cybersecurity and beyond. I'm Stephen Pritchard, editor and presenter. In this episode, our guest is Piers Wilson, board director for the Chartered Institute of Information Security. The Institute has just published its latest State of the Profession report, and this makes for very interesting reading indeed. The report covers a range of topics, from the impact of the pandemic, the skills shortage, the direction of security budgets, and how well organisations are dealing with security breaches. We started out by asking Wilson to summarise the key trends. There's several themes I think you can draw out of the survey this year. There are, there are trends that have been um, that, that we've been following over time as the survey is sort of generated year after year of data. Um, some of the demographic changes, um, some of the shifts in um, uh, the, the, the salaries, and, and there's certain things as well that um, you'd expect to get better over time, like, for instance, um, the ability for the security pressure to deal with um, or to detect and deal with security breaches and incidents when they occur. Um, and those figures, you know, you, you'd expect people to get gradually better as the body of knowledge and the experience and the um, the lessons learned, if you like, the accumulated um, sort of muscle memory of, of dealing with breaches increases. So there have been several trends that I think have continued. There have been some really quite interesting shifts brought about by um, by one assumes by the pandemic. Um, there's definitely been a shift to not only working in in the online home-based sort of model that we've had during the pandemic, but also interacting with people and training and development and, and career progression have all been affected by that, that shift as well. So there's certainly things that I think you can look at as being influenced or affected or impacted by the events of the last 18 months. Um, and I think the other thing that we've asked about uh, last year and, and much more this year is the, uh, if you like, the working conditions um, and you'll see from the data we've got on um, average surveys that the security profession is, you know, on the whole, fairly well paid. Um, but there is a degree of um, pressure and workload and um, stress, I suppose, associated with that because you're always up against, a, you know, a, a well-funded, um, skilled professional adversary. If you look at the kind of the ransomware challenges, um, there's never... I think quite enough budget to deal with the rising level of threat, which is another one of the statistics that that we present each year. So you're always you're always looking at the the world through um, through slightly um, you know slightly darkened darkened glasses in the sense that you've you know you've got to do more with less and you've got to deal with changing technologies and and as I say this year as well we've had to deal with changing working patterns. So suddenly everyone's working at home. You can't do face to face awareness training. You can't control where where you know data is accessed from because it's being accessed from everywhere, and and so that's been um, that's been interesting to see the the trends over time, and then you know how those how those trends have shifted in the last you know eighteen months. It is an interesting one though because if we step back from security in isolation and look at the wider trends within technology or within enterprise technology, uh, what CIOs are saying is that largely the pandemic has accelerated and reinforced trends that they were already observing in the workplace. Are we seeing new security issues come to the fore, in particular as if we, as some of the analysts and some industry uh, big players are saying as well, that these forms of working are now a permanent fixture rather than a temporary fix? 
what I would say is that the the, the, you know, the huge adoption of um, of homeworking and, and video conferencing and, and things like Zoom, as you know, we're, as we're talking today, um, have certainly given IT teams, you know, reporting into the CIO, but also security teams, more to think about. Um, you know, one example I can give, and this isn't from the survey, this is just from a from a colleague, but their their standard workstation build. Um, for you know, for office-based workers, it had the um, had the camera um, disabled for security reasons, um, and then of course immediately everybody started working from home. The first thing they did was organise, you know, Zoom calls and and you know Teams calls and, and whatever else. So you know immediately that security provision, which was designed to protect the the sanctity of the office environment, um, immediately became you know a, a complete millstone around the neck when they're trying to work remotely and keep in touch with people. So. That'd be one example, I think, of a, of a change that has, has shifted the security picture. But the other really good example, actually, is if you look at the way that organizations conduct security assurance activities. So, um, you know, carrying out audits of business units or audits of suppliers, you know, third party risk is still huge. And that tended to be based on um, sending auditors or security consultants to data centers or sites to conduct on-site audits and and you know often that was risk-based so you do your biggest suppliers first or more often and of course as soon as you take away the ability to travel and you you take all the people out of that office then you know that that assurance process has to change and then what you get is exactly as you describe you get an acceleration of what was already happening which in that particular case was automating and uh and and you know systemizing if you like the process of gaining assurance in the security measures, the security controls that are in place. And instead of sending a uh, sending somebody out there with a spreadsheet to ask questions and tick boxes, you then need to look at a way to gain visibility of security controls that are in place in a, in a third party or in a data center or in some remote sales office in you know, some part of Europe and, and doing that in a way that doesn't require travel and people and spreadsheets and, and things. So then you've, then you've got a, an increased... Uh, pace or velocity behind that digital transformation process. And I think we've seen security have to adapt to the limitations on being in the office and being able to travel um, in ways that have definitely sped up. But you're quite right. You know, some of those trends were happening anyway. There was a there was a, a, a growth in interest in solutions and continuous control monitoring and some of these things that, you know, Gartner and Forrester talk around um, how to um, how to how to effect digital transformation within compliance and security processes, and in some ways that has definitely been accelerated by the fact that you know okay we can't do things the way we used to we need to change so let's change the way we already thought we needed to needed to achieve that. What's the view from the industry from when you're talking to people either through the survey or directly about the permanence of these changes? Well, yes, there was um, there's an interesting statistic that we we found towards the. Um, uh, t- towards that that point, and um, I think the the general view. Um, I mean, almost nobody thought that everything would return to normal um, or normal pre-pandemic approaches. Um, and there was even uh, there was only a very small number of people that even thought that most of the things that we used to do would go back to doing. So, by far, the greatest percentage of of people felt that a lot of the changes that have been forced upon us in the last 18 months will stay um we will stay stay as they are um and um 
you know, if you look at the, uh, you know, I mean, that was kind of over 90% thought that either most or uh, some of the changes will be permanent. So you're, you're talking about a significant proportion feel that, you know, most of the way that people work, um, you know, most of the techniques people use to work will have changed, whether that is um, increased outsourcing or increased use of cloud or increased homeworking, you know, d- different places might have different um, you know, different dynamics. But certainly I think um, there are, there's been an acceleration of the use of, um, you know, cloud delivery because people need to get to data wherever they are rather than just when they're in the office. There's been an acceleration in homeworking that, of course, we know about. There's been a reduction in uh, what you might call a necessary travel if you can achieve those goals in more, um, you know, more easy and remote cost-effective ways. Um, and certainly as well, um, if you look at things like, you um, Services, you know, managed security services would be a good example. You know, the, the the challenge with adopting a managed security service in the past was often that you're putting security in the hands of a third party who are not in the building, they're not on the network, um, they're not, they haven't got direct access to the systems. So, can they achieve the same goals as your in-house team? And in the past, perhaps, perhaps no, they couldn't. But as soon as your in-house team is not in the office and not directly connected to the systems and not immediately available, then the balance of business benefit for that uh, outsourcing, um, you know, becomes becomes much less um, well, much less resistive to change. You know, change is easier when you've already got disruption to deal with. So, um, yeah, the, the, by far the largest proportion of people that we surveyed felt that the majority of um, of the changes we've seen will 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 persist. And on that point, though, if we move to some form of hybrid or blended working, does that make the security challenge, in fact, harder? I don't think it makes it harder. I think it might make it different. Um, I mean, if you think about uh, a medium-sized company, then you know, managing their own systems, their own data center, their own email servers, their own websites in their own data center in their own office is, is quite an overhead. And we'd already seen businesses moving their, their email systems, their email infrastructure into the cloud. You know, web hosting is typically now done you know, by a, an ISP, by a hosting company. Um, and um, you know, managed security services, just to go back to that point, I mean, that industry has been growing at kind of 15 to 18% uh, compound annual rate for, you know, for several years, you know, long before uh, COVID-19 came along. So I think there was already um, a trend to do some of these things, but obviously COVID has either accelerated or it's it, it weakened the business case for the status quo, if you like. Um, and so I think what, what we're seeing is not so much that the security as a result of doing this has got worse, but the challenge has become different. So for a small or medium business, even a large organization, managing that server estate and managing the security of their web platforms and managing their email environment and, you know, provisioning systems for users and et cetera, et cetera. That was a big security overhead. And actually, if you take that away and put the systems into the cloud, they haven't got to worry about patching. If you've got a managed security service that is looking at your operational monitoring, you haven't got to have a security operations team that's sitting there 24 hours a day, you know, watching the systems for signs of attack. So then you look at things like, you know, how do we police our third parties? How do we improve our controls? How do we achieve... Um, or how do we how do we hunt for threats in our network systems and and across our estate? And then you move the you move from one problem to another, and the problem becomes how do I manage all of these endpoints when all of these endpoints are in people's homes and and you know around the country rather than in one place in in an office in London? So you know the problem the problem changes and it shifts, but it doesn't necessarily make it easier or harder to solve. You just need to think about the approach that you you take to it. So 
you know, if if um, if everyone's in the same building and you want to do staff awareness training, you call people into a room, department by department, floor by floor, and you go through a briefing of, you know, how ransomware works and don't click on links and et cetera, et cetera. And that works fine if you've got a group of people that work for you that are scattered around the country. You know, that approach is no longer suitable. So you move to perhaps a more um, system-based approach where you provide you know, short videos and quizzes and, and, you know, all that kind of, you know, learning management system type stuff, um, which can be better. And, you know, it, it can be cheaper, it can be better, it can be more effective. You can run it more often uh, rather than, you know, an annual briefing you have, you know, quarterly updates. And so, you know, you, you, you solve the problem in a different way, um, but it's not necessarily a harder problem to solve and it's not necessarily a, a more complicated solution. It's just different. Do you have any sense from the correspondence with the survey of what organization strategies will be? And, you know, talking to one vendor recently, they were saying, well, we don't want to replace an inflexible office-based system with an equally inflexible remote system. We need to allow for the workforce to transition between different modes of operation um, and, of course, build in the resilience because although hopefully, you know, the pandemic is on the wane, there's no guarantee there won't be another and there's no guarantee that there won't be other threats which could be potentially as disruptive even if they're on a more uh, localised level. I think you're, you're right. I mean, the, 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 the several of the survey re- results, if you like, um, indicate that, that as, you, as you allude to, flexibility is king. Um, and I think in, in IT delivery and in customer interactions and the way security is achieved, um, flexibility is... Um, is going to be one of the key features for, you know, for future changes, future systems, future processes. So the ability to, you know, outsource parts of your, you know, parts of a process, keep important parts in house, um, to gain assurance without having to visit lots of different sites, to uh, to manage users that might never come into the office to collect a laptop on day one um, because they're a home based role. You know that that um, that approach to how you provision, you know, new users. You know, give a um, you know, give a username, a password, a laptop, a phone on, on the first day of employment, you know, that that works if people turn up to the office on the first day of employment. You know, it doesn't work quite so well if they're a home-based uh, member of staff. So, so you do need to have flexibility in how you manage your IT estate and your security processes. That's, that's, uh, that's definitely the case. I mean, you know, you'd have... Um, You'd have similar problems, I think, if you, you know, opened an office in a in a in a foreign country. Then you, suddenly you've got people that are working in a place where there isn't a HR team, there isn't an IT team, there isn't a, you know, there isn't any sort of local support, and and you have to build that environment around them. Um, and I think in a world where people are um, working remotely and traveling less and um, and delivering their business in a, in a more flexible way, then yes, security control, security processes, the approaches we take will have to adapt to that, that thing. And I think what we've seen in the last 18 months is that actually we can, um, you know, businesses are continuing to operate, continuing to, to flourish in some cases to, you know, to survive the effects of the pandemic in others, but the, you know, the delivery of, um, you know, IT and security hasn't stopped, you know, during the pandemic in the way that um, that we might have expected it to. So, you know, I think there's there's much to be positive about in that regard. Now, you say in your introduction to the report that the pandemic has sort of interrupted some of the trend lines uh, around security, but clearly not all of them. So, um, looking at some of the data that you've produced, uh, there's, there's a few sort of standout figures there, but 
the risks to data, 69% are saying the risks to data have increased with staff working from home. But again, we can look into that in more depth. You know, to what extent was the risk to data increasing anyway? And then how much of that additional risk is down to home working, for example? And then the other one that st- stands out for me is the uh, question around budgets. So it's just over half of the respondents are saying budgets are still rising, but they're saying that threats are rising uh, more quickly. So um, if you could give us a little bit more detail around those findings, I think that would be useful just from a perspective of actually where are we right now and where do the industry professionals think we are because that's the uh, the key value in this research as you say sort of 69 percent of people felt that the risk to data have increased by staff being at home and i think the reason for that is that many of our traditional security models relied on people using office-based systems on office-based networks within a you know within the secure enclave if you like of, of the company itself and there's certainly been a um, a, a race to get functionality working and security if you like sort of you know lagged behind that slightly as we thought right okay well we still need to patch these systems we still need to control access we still need to provision users how are we going to do that so that was certainly one of the one of the trends but certainly um you know increased working from home and working remotely and cloud storage and remote access in a, in a very quick and uncontrolled way can increase risk and as i say the other thing that did change very fast was the ability for security teams to carry out audits and assurance activities over business units data centers suppliers third parties etc because a lot of that relied on people either answering questionnaires or gathering data from live systems or visiting sites to conduct the audits directly and all of that stopped you know that immediately that that's that those process ceased so you know that was certainly um one increase or two areas of increased risk and then i think you know with the economic uncertainty um we also saw quite a lot of projects and initiatives and changes that were planned were were being also you know put on hold companies didn't know what was going to happen six months 12 months down the line so anything that wasn't operationally critical and required to deliver the services the business needed you know there were there was there was often a pause put into some of those projects whilst um you know whilst the ramifications of covid kind of you know circled around the business community so you know i think from that point of view there were improvements that were on route that might have been uh, you know might have been delayed or or put on hold temporarily so that certainly changed the risk picture um undoubtedly and you know managers couldn't go and talk to people face to face to find out how things were going so i think not just in security but in business as a whole quite a lot of management practice around you know how you interact with staff and how you find out how things are going and you know weekly meetings on projects etc cetera, etc cetera. you know that approach changed too so i think management would probably feel that they um, ran the risk of losing control of what their department business unit their operational function was doing because they weren't around it the whole time so certainly there were some some changes there and the other stat you mentioned is the um the, the difference between the, the change in increasing budgets and the increasing threats. And that has been a bit of a problem, you know, almost year on year on year. Um, you know, the, um, the threat landscape, the, the organised crime nature of things like ransomware, state-sponsored, you know, APT groups operating in the, in the security space, you know, that, um, that sort of, um, you know, the arms race, if you like, between defenders that have got, you know, a finite working week and a finite budget, and they they have to operate within the the, the performance of the company and the behavior of the economy and the wider, the wider, you know, the constraints that have that, you know, change control. You know, they can't change a firewall rule overnight. They need to do a change control that, you know, that 
that um, you know that, that balances the risk of making that change with the improvements in security resulting from it. But if you're an attacker and something you're trying isn't working, you know you can switch. You know you can switch it. You know you know change a switch, change a parameter, change a setting, try a different approach. You know on the fly. So we've we've had for a while that. Um, that challenge that security teams are having to do more with less and actually attackers um, are getting, um, you know, are, are they're just as proficient, they're just as highly skilled, they're well-resourced, they're well-funded and they can be more flexible. So the, the balance between increasing security budgets to deal with the threat and the rate that the threat is increasing has been a challenge for a little while. And I think I'd probably been surprised if that, um, you know, that trend you know, shifted markedly and, you um, you know, you see the um, you see the effects of the pandemic, perhaps in in, in that. But um, you know, for the most part, I think you know that's been something which has been a problem for a for a long time. You know, can you get enough budget in security to do what you want to do? Given the fact that the um, you know that ransomware is now huge, that you've got um, you know organised groups attacking you rather than just you know script kiddies that we had you know kind of 10, 15 years ago. You know, the the pattern of attack has changed. So that's um, that's been certainly quite evident. And to an extent, it's prolonged the trend we've had for a while where security spending has tended to follow the investment in technology rather than be part of it or even precede it. So, again, you mentioned there um, people using consumer solutions, um, own devices and so on. And then there was a feeling of catch up of trying to, let's, let's say, let's try to regularise this and ensure security and compliance around it. And I think that's still very much a work in progress for some organisations, isn't it? That either they're rolling back from the temporary measures they put in place during the pandemic or those measures they've decided to adopt as part of their operations, they now need to bring that level of security up. Um, so that might be putting more pressure on budgets than perhaps the raw statistics show. Um, but what do you think about that? Is that something that resonates talking to CISOs in the field? Yeah, it's a difficult one to to sort of um, second guess, really. I think one of the one of the challenges with any survey like this is is you you get people's views, but you don't always know why they've got the views that they that they're, they're telling you and i think that can be a, a a challenge sometimes you know second guessing the reason for a trend increasing or changing or or, or whatever is um is 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 difficult um and um yeah the last 12 months have seen uh, well the last 18 months have seen you know quite drastic changes and it's easy to it's easy to assume that everything that's happened is due to the pandemic and due to business change but you know some things probably aren't um some things are just um you know the the way people, um, you know the, the 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 natural evolution of things, I guess, um, and that's one of the difficulties, I suppose, with any any surveys. You you get the data, but you don't always know the 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 reason behind it. You know why are, um, you know why are people reporting that, um, uh, you know that this this particular issue is a is a problem. I mean, what we have seen in the last twelve months, certainly. Um, ignoring the pandemic and everything else is, is, you know, a huge increase in in ransomware as a threat. So, you know, your security team, whether they're working at home or working in the office, whether they're well-funded or underfunded, um, everybody is now looking at ransomware and thinking, how do we counter this? Because it's a huge problem. And that's not something that you can get from a survey or from, um, you know, looking at the effects of the pandemic. It's It's just a thing that there has been more of. Um, so, you know, you've got, you've got threats like that that have emerged and they've emerged irrespective of whatever else has been going on and security teams are having to deal with it. So, you know, you, you could have, um, you know, major projects that were underway that have been put on hold because suddenly ransomware got more important. Um, and, you know, you see the same thing with, um, you know, things like, um, you know, some of the compliance 
standards and, and you know when you have new um, new sets of guidance issued from from governments or new regulatory requirements too so you know the agenda behind why people are doing what they're doing is is sometimes difficult to difficult to sort of gauge but um you know any any increase in security budgets this year for instance could be driven by by that ransomware effect rather than by the pandemic so i think i've got mixed views um you know you can you, you can draw inferences but they sometimes can be assumptions and you know they might not be the correct assumptions so i don't know if i've answered the question but that's that's my sort of thinking i think and any survey like this will only provide a snapshot at a point in time of course but just um, finally though there is some optimism within the data so uh, for example just under two-thirds, 59% of the industry say they've got better at defending their systems and um, 62% are saying that they're better at dealing with security incidents, losses and breaches, so, which is, is positive despite all the difficulties. So um, do you think that do you think that signposts perhaps that actually, uh, you know, the security maturity, security posture of organisations uh, will actually be in a relatively robust place once we return to business as, as near normal as possible? I think... You're right. Um, what we do see in the security industry and have seen for well, you know, for, for years now, um, is uh, there's a huge um, passion and a huge drive to to protect protect systems, protect data, protect users, um, and a degree of innovation and a progressive attitude and positivity around how to achieve that and. You know, we struggle because, you know, we in security know that, you know, secure coding is important. We know choosing good passwords is important. We know asset management and, you know, controlling access to data is important. Um, and often, you know, getting the IT department or the user community or the company to to make those changes can be a hard slog. But actually, um, you know, security has been nothing if not a, a, a division of um, of corporate life that has had to um, adapt and respond and improve continuously over you know year on year going back to however long you want to, you want to count I mean if you think about the the challenge we're facing um, in security the person that you are trying to counter if you like that the problem you're trying to solve is often a deliberate act it's not um, you know marketing dealing with competitive pressures or sales teams you know dealing with you know pricing strategies or aggressive marketing from competitors or quality teams dealing with you know the inevitable flaws in manufacturing in security you're dealing with somebody who is trying to subvert your systems deliberately so there's a there's an adversary that the security department has to deal with that isn't the case in many other you know business departments and and i think you know, you've seen um, advances in things like machine learning and you've seen advances in things like, um, you know, provisioning of, um, of users' identity management. You've seen network security advances. You've seen um, increasingly um, ways of gaining security assurance and monitoring security controls, automatically providing dashboards to see so, so they can see the performance of their security operations processes. And that's been something which is, um, has really underpinned um, if you like the, the drive for security professionals and, and almost the ethics of the industry is that you can't stop protecting um, and you can't stop innovating and you can't stop improving and you can't stop learning because there is an attacker who is doing all of these things. And if you stand still in security, then you're falling behind. 
Um, and that's been, I think, you know, at the heart of almost everybody that works in security at whatever level, you know, from 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 the year dot really. So, you know, from the from a penetration test who's learning new ways of attacking a system that he's commissioned to find the weaknesses in, to a security manager who has to deal with a workforce that's now working remotely, all of the time in security there is a new challenge and a new urgency to to address that and. You know, we've seen the pandemic um, come and, as you say, hopefully now start to wane. Um, but we're still going to be in a, in a time when, you know, economic pressures are significant and businesses and, uh, are changing. And, you know, the, the, the high street and, and the effect on, you know, retail, you know, retail performance and retail habits are increasing the drive to be, you know, more online, even if you were a bricks and mortar retailer. So, you know, no part of what we do in security ever stays the same. Um, so, you know, we've seen drastic changes in the last 18 months and, and really quite accelerated changes, but changes and, and new innovations and new technologies and new threats, you know, that's almost been bread and butter for security professionals for, for several years. So, you know, the fact that, you know, the entire company is now home working rather than just the sales team, well, that's just a numbers thing. You know, we, we deal with it differently because there's a greater percentage of people doing it, but it's it's the same problems. It's how do you secure the laptop? How do you onboard the users? How do you deliver staff awareness training? And you do it differently because you've got a thousand people rather than 10, but you know, you've got the same problem you always had. Piers Wilson from the Chartered Institute of Information Security on some of the changes facing organisations as the way we work changes, and ultimately why he's optimistic for the future despite growing threats. That's all though for this episode of Security Insights. Our next programme will be out on Wednesday, October the 6th, when we'll be looking at the aftermath of ransomware attacks. And I do hope you can join us then. In the meantime, you can catch up on past programmes on our website, securityinsights.co.uk. And of course, on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.